one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer, but I answer with my dear friend, and physical therapist, lit senior teacher, Kristen Williams. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Laura. Glad to be here as always. So fun. As always. This is so fun. So let's get started. First question is from Cecilia Bentley Bortoluzzi. Three children, C-sections. Want those stomach muscles back in tight. I've never done yoga before. How to start? <laughs> I mean, that's a tough one. Um, you know, C-section when they're, that's trauma. I mean, it, it is what it is. They're, they're, they're cutting through those muscles. Um, but that's not to say it's a death sentence. We see a lot. I mean, it's actually C-section. I don't know what the prevalence of it is by number, but I, I would argue a lot of our population, you know, that we see in the studio have, you know, have had one or, um, you know, just the trauma of carrying a baby alone. Uh, so where to start? I think you start in the reset like we do in class. It is reconnecting to your core, to your pelvis with intention, with manual cues, You know, using your hands to facilitate some sort of biofeedback mechanism to really get that brain to abdominal connection back. And that is tough to do. It, you got your work cut out for you, for sure. Uh, but it's possible, I believe. I, I totally believe, and I've seen it. And it is, you know, obviously it's harder with each successive C-section because that is a operation. It's a surgical procedure. Anytime you have anything that's cutting into you, you're cutting through nerves, you're cutting through um, tissue. And then the repair of that takes wa- a while, just the actual healing of that but then the return of like that neurofeedback to that area, the awareness, you know, you've had 
uh, some kind of disruption of communication. And so it's, it takes time. It takes more time, I think, with a surgical procedure because of those extra layers. But for anybody coming out of a preg- like a pregnancy itself, things have been moved around. Things have been shifted. Uh, gravity's coming at a different you know, angle, so to speak. So your abdominal wall, it's going to have, it's really going to have to reset. And that's what we do. So it's, it's reestablishing a neutral position, a neutral posture, and then reestablishing those pathways of communication to the muscles. So that's going to be the abdominal wall, but also the pelvic floor. I would say not in the reset, but we do on our lit daily um, classes, look at your abdominals touch the abdominals, like get, like get sensation around the scar, because a lot of times the scar itself can also add another layer of fogginess to that area. So getting the feedback, like Kristen was talking about with your hands, with your vision, all of those things help the the feedback to that area, because you just want to, I always call it the twilight zone. It's just like this, it almost has its it's separate. It's almost like you're not embodied. So really trying to get embodied in your standing posture and your sitting. And then of course, when you start moving, so it's, it's not too late. It's never too late. Start now and, and start to get clarity there. Okay. Next question is about, this is funny because this is more personal, but I think we could both answer it. Do we have a, do you have a life motto? This is from Jane Langan Yoga. Do you have a life? Do I have a life motto? Uh, you know what? I definitely, there's probably one thing that sticks out in my brain that um, I've always lived by. And it was something that my mother taught me. And, you know, being a female, growing up, the only thing, you're the same way. We have brothers. We, we, I don't think I, I understood girls very well until I got, you know, and all of a sudden you get into middle school and it was like, wow. And um, it's a whole different, it's a whole different interaction. Uh, and, and personally, female to female, that I love, like I cherish it now. But uh, one of the things that I learned and I've lived by is, and it's not just a female to female thing. I think it, it was a middle school thing, period. But was, don't be mad at the person who says something about you. Be mad at the person who tells you what that person said. Because we're all human, right? We're all going to say stuff in frustration about someone else, and and you don't ever intend for that person to hear it, you know. You and and it's it's a it's it's a human nature, and I and I hate that about myself. But sometimes I'll do that. I'll say something in frustration, and but I've always tried my hardest never to be the bearer of those tidings to the person that it was said about, because those are the hurtful words. So that may not be what she was asking for, but when I think about something that's always stuck with me my whole life, it is, you know, it's that passing along of only good messages, not bad messages, because you're only hurting someone if you let them know something someone else may have said in a natural human way of frustration, anger. Sometimes we vent. And my dearest friends, I think, are the people that I can do that with who I know it won't go anywhere or people who don't give me any baggage that I don't need to carry. So that's mine. What's yours? I think that's beautiful. I love that a lot. Mine. I think I have a few. 
I don't have like one, one that always stands out to me is I, I've talked about this before. I had a poster on my wall growing up and it was Nadia Comaneci, Comaneci um, in whatever Olympics that was, you know, she got a 10 on everything, but she was on the horse and she's doing this crazy kind of holding herself up in a V sit, you know, and it's just like so powerful and strong. And underneath it, the quote was, it was, wasn't her quote. It was, do not pray for an easy life, work to be a better person, essentially. So it's like, don't just hope that things are going to be, I, I, that just really stayed with me. The, and the, the, of course, the physicality of it too. And the message of like, work she obviously worked her ass off to get there she didn't just hope that she was going to be be a good gymnast and i think that i just saw that i don't know why i even had that poster but it just i feel like it indelibly was imprinted in my spirit that it's not enough just to want something but you have to really work hard for it and then of course it feels so much better because you 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 really deserve what you get as opposed to just sitting around praying for it and also praying for an easy life is you know life isn't going to be easy. So it's like, you have to be strong to handle the ups and downs of it. So that's definitely one. And I think another one is like a be kind of what you were alluding to is like, you can only be responsible for you at the end of the day. So you can't be responsible for what somebody says about you or how somebody reacts or, or talks about you or anything, but you can, you can only be responsible for what you put out. And so if, that isn't going to be perfect, but as much as possible, can you put out like good stuff? Like you're saying, can you not be that messenger of, you know, like gossip or negativity, but instead really uh, be responsible for creating a positive, empowering environment. And that's what I have aspired to do in all the different aspects of my life, home life, personal life, professional life. And so those two really are kind of my, my, my life mottos for sure. Well, and I will say to your credit, you are living both of those. I've known you long enough to see that they did impact you because you 100% live up to both of those. So well, thank you, honey. Thank you. Oh, sister. I love you. I love that somebody asked us uh, something not physical. Getting back to the physical. <laughs> L Bauer 81. Why do I sometimes get a really clunky feeling in my hips when I bring my knee to the chest? would be hip flexion. Do you want to start with that one? Yeah. I mean, that's not uncommon. You know, you're bringing your, there's, there's a lot of, we, we, any type of ball and socket joint, the hip and the shoulder, there's a lot of movement there. And so there's a joint capsule, which is basically, if you can imagine like a, 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 a sock of, of ligaments. So that's a little bit loose because to allow that movement. So as you're coming into flexion, you might be rolling over one of those ligaments might be a little bit loose, or it could be your tendons that are attaching, you know, the muscle to bone, uh, you know, clunky. I'm guessing that's what you're describing. You could also be feeling some sensation in your SI joint that you're attributing to your hip. There's a lot that happens when you flex the knee into the chest. It's not just in the hip joint. You have some flexion coming on in the lumbar spine. You have some extension in the sacrum or tilting back which is moving at the SI joint. So there's a lot of areas of movement when you bring your knee into your chest. We become a little bit more worried if, if there's pain associated with that. Um, you know, then we might wonder, well, what is clunking around? But it's 
Very common. And sometimes it'll click on and off. If you like, I know that happens to me. Sometimes all of a sudden it'll be start clicking. I'll be like, what the heck? I tighten my glutes a little bit, tighten my abdominals. It no longer happens. So sometimes that can be your body's way of telling you, oh, tighten, you know, time to tighten up. You're you you are allowing a little too much laxity in that joint. And see if that doesn't change that sensation or sound for you. That, that's my thought. What about you? I agree with that. I would say, well, first of all, if you're bringing your knee into your chest and you're feeling that, can you back it off a little bit and almost rotate, like kind of like, you know, in and out and see if maybe it needed a, a almost a better gliding pattern. And if any of that rotation helps the femoral head move. I find that people talk about clunking a lot more the other direction. If they had their leg in and then they like if their leg, say if they're lying on their back and their right leg is straight up in the air and they start to bring it down toward the floor, sometimes they'll even hear a very loud clunk. And that's what I hear about a lot more. Again, that that femoral head is probably hitting on and making a lot, you know, it's it, some one of the tendons is probably clunking over it, most likely the hip flexor tendon. Uh, and so I, I hear a lot more about that than the clunking of coming way in clicking and stuff like that, or just feeling clogged is pretty common when you're bringing your, your knee into hip flexion. And, and like Kristen said, there's so many other, there's so many things that are going on, but I would try and, you know, get your spine as neutral as possible at, as you begin that use your abdominals and see if you bring it in, if you can find a little clearing, if it feels like it's just kind of clogged and clunky maybe do that rotation, um, kind of, and, and you can always start by doing some of the stuff we do in our classes where we're hydrating the hip joint a little bit before you start moving it. Just think of it almost as a, it's a little rusty and, and it just needs some of that synovial fluid and, and see if that alone can help. You can also put your fingers right in there and kind of help that action of the femoral head to move deeper posteriorly. And so that would be like, if you're relying on your back, you would put your fingers in your hip, right hip crease, and just kind of drive the top of that femoral, the femur and the femoral head down towards your glute and see if that helps. But like Kristen, if it's not anything associated with pain or discomfort, it's, it's more of a mechanical thing. And so just play around with it. That's what I would say. Yeah, I agree. All right. Nairi Petite Jean, Petite Jean says, gait, people's natural, and what we, what should we be looking for? Um, so I know they have to kind of make these very, very short and cryptic. So I guess what she's asking is, what is a natural gait and, and what should we be looking for to represent that natural gait? You know, I mean, as a physical therapist, we do tons of gait analysis. And the biggest thing that I'm looking for is symmetry and then also a like a, a smoothness. So I've done things in the past where you've actually used those little stickers, those little, you know, when you're at a yard sale and you put the little round sticker, you know, so placing one on each ASIS, one on uh, each PSIS, and so in the frontal hip points, in the back, uh, at the knees, watching what's happening at each joint. So you want to see that reciprocation of the, as the left arm comes forward, the right leg comes forward and vice versa. You, you know, there, there should be an arm swing. There should be a slight shift of the pelvis, but not too much. So it's a very, it should be very balanced. Uh, it should be very, like not much translation up and down. 
So if you start to see too much movement, like I'm thinking heel walkers or a lot of bounce, same thing with running, you know, we, when we're walking, we've, we've evolved over thousands of hundreds of thousands of years to become really efficient and efficient means there's really minimal movement because it is so symmetrical and balanced. And so when I'm looking at someone's gait, the first thing that will jump out at me is if there is a base, a big asymmetry, uh, you know, when we write, oh, look, whoa, look at that hip, you know, that hip's not working or that knee is not flexing to come through, or they don't have enough hip extension on one side. It presents as an asymmetry. So I am looking for balance. I'm looking for symmetry. I'm looking for smoothness of motion. I'm looking for minimal rotation, you know, through that lower extremity that we see a lot, that spinning off the big toe um, because we're lacking, say, hip extension. So we spin. And it's a fun thing to do. I could sit in a in a fountain square somewhere and watch people walk all day. I, I used to work with an elderly gentleman and that was part of my job was walking with him. And we would just sit and watch traffic and watch people. It was great. Uh, you can really learn a lot about the body simply by observing. Yeah, I would um, echo all of those things. And the other thing that I, speaking of bipedal, one of the big things, uh, morphological changes that happened when we became bipedal is the development of the lumbar lordosis. And that's really important when you are walking, you're standing on two, two feet instead of, you know, four um, in the form of quadruped. That helps you balance. However, if it's excessive in either way, so you've got more that, that lumbar lordosis increases because you're anteriorly tilted or it's decreased because you have a flatter back or posteriorly tilted, it really does show up in the gait pattern as well. And you'll see people who, who have that, usually with their increased lumbar lordosis, there is kind of more, I think, up and down. You know, they're just like, they, they can't weight shift as gracefully. So there's a lot more kind of push off to go up. That's what I've seen. Um, there can also be a drop in with that knee joint. So instead of just pointing forward, there's much more of that, the lateral hips giving out and the, the knee drops in. They can shuffle also more because they're not getting the, the hips to help them in the walking. And you can also see people, like what is the angle of the foot? Like you were talking about the rotation a little bit that'll happen. The, the hips can rotate out and whether they started that way or they develop that as a compensatory strategy. I've seen literally people waddle around because they are lacking hip extension or they're lacking the, the muscles of hip extension, like, you know, really strong ones to help um, not only propel them, but to stabilize in the form of the glutes and the glute medius and, and maximus. And so there'll be a lot more kind of waddling back and forth because they're almost like toddlers who aren't really using their glutes well. So there's a lot, but there's lots of variation. It is really fun to watch. People will excessively swing their arms if they're not using their legs. They'll, they'll also not ver- use their arms much at all and just kind of, but it should, ha- there should, I think a normal quote, if, if normal's not like natural gait should look natural. It should look graceful. It should look, there should be ease to it. It is essentially propelling yourself through space and kind of holding everything together with, like you said, la- very little lateral or um, anterior-posterior displacement. So you can you can look from the ground up, you can look at the pelvis, you can look what the head is doing and the arms. There's you can look at all the different joints, but ultimately there there should be a cl- collaborative, light degree of movement so that you can walk well. 
And, and again, that's going to be walking efficiently because you're going to be feeling a lot better uh, when people walk a long distance and they're, or even a, a long-ish distance and they're sore. A lot of that goes back to probably how they're walking. It might not be very efficient and they're overusing maybe their back. And the back is really just there to help stabilize the torso. It's not made to help propel you forward. Well, and I think we have to always bring the gait pattern back to what's on your feet too, because there's nothing funnier than watching people in high heels who, <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's a classic example of a high heels can just be an atrocious gait pattern or, you know, the narrow pointy shoes, what that does all the way up the chain, you know, the best thing, first thing, the best thing you can do is walk barefoot or walk with something that gives you a good open toe box, you know, some mobility. So it is like walking barefoot, but with some, you know, protection on your feet. So I would always bring the gait pattern back to starting at the foot, starting at what's on the feet as well. Absolutely. Cause you can have the best gait pattern and then you put on high heels and it changes. I know, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I put high heels on, but I know when I do, I, I, my, my, you know, how far I step, my step length is so much shorter. I feel like I'm really shuffling and I, I'm not working my hips, but I'm really working my hip flexors a lot to help stabilize because you're kind of pushed forward. So you, you're, you're, that's why you get really sore in your shins and in your calves and in your hip flexors after being on high heels, because you're, it's just not natural. It's not a natural way to, uh, you know, locomote around. <laughs> no, my gosh, your low back, that anterior toe oh, you get tossed into. Oh. The funniest thing I know is like when I've worn high heels, I almost like slightly jog next to my husband because actually running feels much better and normal in high heels than walking because you're just kind of falling forward because you're right in your push-off stage. At, versus walking, you've lost your heel connection so that's why you're always feeling like you're kind of falling forward and it, you've got to minim, you've got to shorten your stride. So it just feels like so much, like I'll just sit there and I'll be jog. And he's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, it's easier. I'm going to feel better if I do a little jog next to you than if I try and walk. Cause I'm going to be 10 steps behind you if I walk. <laughs> so yeah, the, I guess the motto there is you know, definitely look at your footwear and look at your posture and, and film yourself and see what you look like. Do you look natural when you're walking? Does it look effortful? Does it look sloppy? You also don't want to look like you're just spilling water all over the place. If you're carrying water on your head, you know, you just want to feel there's an elegance to it because there really is in being a bipedal propeller. Well, thank you as always, sister. This was wonderful. Thank you all for your questions. Feel free to write us. Check out KB Kristen on Instagram at kbwilliams99. Uh, you can send her a direct message or send it to me at Laura Hyman. And as always, I'm pulling for you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.